this podcast, we talk with Fabiana Perla, Chair of the Department of Blindness and Low Vision Studies, or BLVS, at Salis University, Kathy Alstron, Adjunct Faculty in the Department of BLVS, and Stacey Wills, a teacher of students with visual impairments. They talk to us about the Neurological Visual Impairment in Children's course and its uniqueness to Salis and the BLVS field. Can everyone please introduce yourselves? My name is Fabiana Perla, and I am the chair of the Department of Blindness and the Vision Studies. My name is Stacy Wills. I'm a teacher of students with visual impairments and certified orientation and mobility specialist in Ohio. And I'm also the past president for AER Ohio. I am Dr. Kathy Alstrom. I am adjunct faculty for blind and low vision studies at Salus. Um, also a teacher of students with visual impairments and a certified orientation and mobility specialist and early intervention specialist. So Fabiana, if you want to get us started, um, can you kind of explain the blindness and low vision studies program at Salus and, and what you guys do and who you are? Well, first, I want to thank you for the opportunity to showcase um, our department. We call it BLVS for short. It stands for um, Blindness and Low Vision Studies, and also to showcase one of our many projects. So a little bit about who we are. So the Department of Blindness and Low Vision Studies at Salus prepares professionals that work with individuals that have visual impairments. And we do this through masters and certificate programs in four disciplines. We um, prepare teachers of children with visual impairments, which focuses on education from uh, birth to 21 years of age. Um, vision rehabilitation therapist, uh, we, who focuses on, who focus on independent living skills, orientation and mobility specialist, who focus on safe and independent travel, and low vision rehabilitation specialist which is uh, actually our oldest program at Salus, and um, which focuses on maximizing remaining vision with or without optical devices. And um, I wanted to go over these four disciplines because they are not very well known in the general public and anything that we can do to raise awareness is great. Uh, in addition to the graduate programs, we provide continuing education in collaboration with Salus um, Salus's Department of International and Continuing Education, and th that is geared to practitioners and to support their efforts to stay up to date on best practices in the field. And the course that we are here to discuss and highlight is a perfect example of uh, those projects. Since 2018, like you said, you, uh, BLVS and DICE have been collaborating to offer courses. Um, and this course specifically, the Neurological Visual Impairment in Children course. So could you, Fabiana, explain a little bit more about this course and how it's unique? It's unique for many reasons. Number one, this is the first time that um, Salus University offered a micro-credential. And micro-credentials, for those who are not familiar with uh, the term, are um, skill-based courses where participants can earn a digital badge. And that digital badge can be shared electronically with employers or organizations, um, consumers, anybody. And what happens is that when somebody clicks on that digital badge, if you want, they can see 
all the competencies that the uh, holder mastered, how long the training took, where it took place, and basically what they had to do to earn the badge. So it's um, a very um, valuable tool. Um, it, and it's very um, appreciated, particularly in the education field. So we were basically um, the first ones to um, develop a, a digital badge with this course. The other reason why this um, course is unique is because when it was developed uh, in 2018, Salus was one of the first universities back then to respond to a, the field's need for updated knowledge and skills in this area. In fact, the year prior in 2017, we had conducted a survey nationwide of practitioners in the field of uh, teachers for uh, children with visual impairments and orientation and mobility instructors. And that yielded almost 300 responses. At the time of those who responded, about 80% had students with neurological visual impairments in their caseloads, but only about 26% felt prepared by their universities to serve these children. So our first offering of the, of the course was um, our commitment to those practitioners to support them in their work. And lastly, um, another reason why I think this course is so unique is because our last offering, the, the one we're here to um, talk about, represents a unique partnership between Salus and the um, Ohio chapter of our professional organization called the Association for Education and Rehabilitation um, for the Blind and Visually Impaired. And that makes it very, very unique and makes having Stacy here um, to uh, explain that very special. Going over to Kathy now, could you explain a little bit more about neurological visual impairment or NVI for people who might not be familiar? So NVI stands for neurological visual impairment. This course specifically is looking at that in children. NVI is a really broad term. It encompasses a wide range of conditions. These can be congenital, you're born with them, or they can be acquired. Uh, anytime there's a disruption, an injury, or basically any condition that impacts processing of vision within the brain is a form of neurological visual impairment or NVI. It's a visual impairment not related to the eyes, basically, or it's visual impairment beyond the eyes. Some people might have heard of cerebral or cortical visual impairment. Both of those are called CVI for short. That's a much more well-known term. Um, both of these are forms of NVI. Regardless of what you call it, this type of visual impairment is one of the main causes of visual impairment in children in all developed countries in the world, and it's generating a great deal of research in our field. Therefore, the need to stay on top of this is very real. Can you kind of explain more or talk more about what visual professionals can do with kids with these types of conditions? So early intervention for kids that have an NVI is critical, mainly because of brain plasticity. There is a potential to uh, develop some neural or neuron connections within the brain to go around areas of injury or that are compromised. 
So anyone working with children at all in any field with, and when the child has a condition affecting the brain, they need to be aware of NVI. For example, vision professionals serving schools are a very unique entity. We typically are the only professionals in a district or a region even that can explain the implications of living and learning with visual impairment. In that, we also end up being a bridge between education and medical communities. That said, each state has a slightly different spin on services for children, which is fun. So when a former student stepped up and had this idea to form a cohort of vision professionals across her state of Ohio, we thought that was really super cool. So going over to Stacy now, providing that this class is for a specific state is a new idea. Could you talk a little bit more about that? As Kathy mentioned, I first took the class in March of 2020. Um, and literally, I think I wrote to all of my colleagues anywhere that would listen to me, you've got to take this course. It is amazing. Um, you know, the next time it comes around, you so have to take it. And then, um, I became the president of AER and, you know, you, you meet everybody kind of in your field. And that's when I realized like everybody needs to know the knowledge that I now have, you know, not by no means am I like the expert, but, um, so I just kept telling, you know, folks like this is an actual, like, this is just a game changer. Um, so then I reached out to the university and I was like, you know what, like, have you ever considered maybe like a state cohort? Um, you know, the, the goal here in Ohio would be that we at least have now a small body of people who have the same understanding of neurological visual impairment and that neurological visual impairment in itself opens up this huge category of children that we can service and that need us. Um, and no longer, you know, the hopes would be that that these kids would no longer like fall through the cracks. So the cohort isn't quite over yet. Um, but in Ohio, we have this ad hoc committee as a part of our Ohio chapter. And so we're working on a referral document that we can share with all TBIs and ONMs across our state that is like helping to educate the TBI and the ONM so that they can educate the district that they're working with. So everyone has a much better understanding of those red flags that would indicate that a functional vision evaluation is needed. But then more specifically, what are those red flags that would indicate that we have to have this neurological visual impairment focus? Um, so we are currently working on that. Um, and then in the fall, so nearby, um, we're actually going to do two different presentations on this cohort. So we'll be sharing the information that we've learned in the cohort kind of and how that has changed our thought process and how this is, you know, opening the doors um, for students who might have potentially not been identified. Going back to Kathy, um, how is this or why is this important for professionals to have this knowledge? We have to recognize that the majority of our learning happens that happens for kids is visual, whether that's incidentally watching your family do things around the house, but also the way teachers present their lessons tends to be visual. We learn a lot incidentally through our vision. So when that's compromised or impaired in the eye or in the brain, or for some kids, both vision specialists like us need to step in to educate schools and families about delivering or how to deliver equal access 
to education, to their worlds in non-visual ways. So we also, in our professions, directly support students to gain the skills needed for them to live an independent life to their fullest potential. So understanding how to do this for a child with a brain-based visual impairment is a very new area that's a bit different for many of us. And then going back to Stacy, why is it important? Why do you think it's important to have this knowledge? So from my experience, we do get these, you know, we'll get eye reports from, you know, an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, or maybe even just a parent will say to us, you know, we went to the eye doctor and, and their eyes are fine. They don't need glasses or that maybe they only needed glasses. Um, but then you as a teacher, you still see these like little things that are happening, you know, that the student isn't identifying. I mean, if there was nothing wrong with their vision, then they should be able to identify that sight word, you know? Um, so you, you definitely see sometimes there's like a gap between what it is that the eye doctor has said and then kind of what how the student is functioning. Um, one of the recent things in Ohio that we what we are hoping to get maybe some changing is that sometimes you'll get an optometrist or an ophthalmologist who recommends classroom accommodations because of vision. Like that's perfect. It's great. You know, we need to have those. But another piece to that would be recommending that the district contacts their teacher of students with visual impairments so that they can do the functional vision evaluation. And then they can identify, you know, those strategies and those supports that the student needs in order to access, you know, the curriculum, but then also like, you know, visual recognition and, and, and what about the accommodations that they need so that they're able to do these things. Um, so often we see, you know, that kids are left under underserved because of that silo effect. Um, we might see neurologists may not have recognized the need to diagnose a visual impairment. Um, I also see this with um, optometrists. You know, when you say that a child's vision is fine and they, they, they just needed glasses or maybe they didn't need glasses. Um, I see sometimes there's like that breakdown as well, where maybe they then needed to go to the neurologist or maybe they needed to go to a developmental optometrist. Um, so either way, so schools and agencies aren't really aware of this brain-based neurological visual impairment. And so that's really my, jo my job right now as a TBI and an O&M working in the district is to not only educate um, my colleagues, you know, but also educating the people that work in the district. Um, I did a presentation earlier this year on improving that child find process. And, you know, I came up with a whole list of like, you know, the, the school nurse, she's going to hear some of these red flags before the classroom teacher is ever going to hear it. And sometimes a parent will share an, optom an optometrist report and say, well, yeah, we went to the eye doctors and this is what they said. Um, and that optometrist report might actually have some like key red flags in there that indicates, hey, we need a functional vision evaluation. But unless the district knows what those red flags are, that's where that breakdown in communication happens. And then that's where that breakdown in the child find process happens. So moving um, back to Kathy, in addition to BLVS professionals who might be listening to this, what would you say to them about how their roles are so important in education and early intervention. Would they be the ones taking this class? So they do also take the class along with education professionals. And that's really cool. We really like that. Um, when clinical and medical professionals take the class, they can gain a deeper appreciation for the complexities of the visual system beyond the eyes 
and how critical it is to catch that early and document it. With these NVIs or CVIs being a relatively new phenomenon, but they're very fast growing diagnosis, we don't yet have a good global understanding or a consensus on the, ter on the terminology. So it's really critical that we have medical professionals making early referrals to pediatric neurologists and intervention programs, and that those people are then aware of brain-based visual impairments so that they don't just stop looking and not qualify the child because they don't need glasses. <laughs> um, so we, it, whether or not that diagnosis is specific or if a vague indication of NVI is there, that can really help us begin our interventions. Um, and having opportunities for medical and education professionals to collaborate is invaluable. So the phrase child find has been brought up. Stacy, do you think you could say a little bit more about that? I feel like child find is a passion of mine. Absolutely. Um, so every school district everywhere has, um, they have procedures in place so that they can identify students who may potentially or are in need of special ed services. Um, some of those, those procedures are, if you think of like, we have hearing screenings, we have vision screenings, we have kindergarten readiness. Um, so we already have some of these, these little uh, like, I guess, screenings, but we already have the, these in place. But when we talk about educating districts, it's as a TBI, I work with a lot of districts, but um, I do offer like, can I be a part of that vision screening, you know, and, and sometimes I can do that. But when I can't do that, I'm sharing all of this information ahead of time with like those other people that are going to be on the front lines, you know, during this process. So whether it's like the school secretary that happens to take the note and she gets a note from, you know, the neurologist, um, or if it's the school nurse who just, you know, she she's doing her job by, you know, filing that information into the student's file, but unless she knows that this process can move further, um, that's kind of where the child find process then breaks down. So it's a part of like our jobs when we're working with districts to make sure that we're educating um, everyone in the staff to make sure that um, the child find process doesn't break down and people in that process are educated and know what the next step is to identify the student um, who is potentially in need of special education services. And then Kathy, would you like to add anything more about the child find? So yeah, this NVI is really growing um, in main part due to us rescuing premature infants earlier and earlier. And many of these very delicate premature infants have experienced brain bleeds or oxygen, de oxygen deprivation. And perhaps developmentally, they're doing fairly okay. However, what we're finding is that there are often impacts to their use of vision. Um, so something else that's really important for medical per per personnel to know is that the federal definition actually has broadened. Um, in 2017, we sort of clarified the eligibility statement on the definition for visual impairment, and it's helping to capture some of these kids that were falling through the cracks. So we now look much less at quantitative data, such as acuity for qualification or a degree of field loss, what we really need now is more qualitative data and qualitative criteria. So the law now says visual impairment, including blindness, means an impairment in vision 
that even with correction adversely affects a child's educational performance. This term includes both partial sight and blindness, and the law goes on to clarify that any impairment in vision, regardless of significance or severity, must be included. So that can include children with um, a vague NVI or even convergence insufficiency. Going back to Stacy, I know you've mentioned this a little bit, but why is it so important to see more collaboration between the medical and educational professionals? Can I give you an example of how important this is? Absolutely. Um, so it's like my favorite example to give when I talk to people about this course. So I was taking that course March of 2020. And then that summer I got a referral for a student. And so I went in, I mean, you know, and it was like COVID and we had separation and all of that. Um, and until taking this course, I would have said to you, and I did say in that moment um, that this student does not qualify for special education in regards to vision. Like there were definitely other needs, but I just kept saying, well, wait, but like vision is the strength here. But, and I said to the director, I was like, I know what I'm telling you. I know I'm telling you that this child is using vision in order to access the curriculum. But I'm also telling you there's something else going on here. It's vision related. And I don't know what it is because I mean, yeah, I had this wonderful course, but I think, you know, we're all still just kind of um, coming to terms with all of this information. So I asked the district, I said, please, even though I'm telling you that the student doesn't really need me, um, I know that there's more puzzling questions here. Can I kind of like, just don't kick me out. Let me like come into the classroom. I want to do more observing. And and I did want to look at assistive technology. Um, I'm a big, huge fan of assistive technology. And I thought if I can get a different tool to help this child be a little more independent. And in doing that assistive technology evaluation, that's where I started to see the breakdown in this visual information. And so I went back to the team and I said, I know you can't like edit an evaluation. So can I just do another one? Um, so I did a whole nother evaluation and for sure, um, you know, this student definitely qualifies as a student with a visual impairment under that neurological visual impairment. Um, and it was a great team effort. I mean, like I spent hours one day at Panera with his classroom teacher and we were looking over all of the course information from Salas. And I have my you know book with all the post-its in it. And then we're looking at brain scans and brain maps and what we know about like the visual pathway and where things are, um, are processed. And then some of those other needs of his. So I would say the collaboration piece, you know, we definitely need the collaboration piece between education and the medical world. Um, but in order to truly identify the needs of like my student in this example, it took a team collaboration of multiple people sitting at the table looking at, you know, language and vision and fine motor and gross motor. Um, so I would have to say that collaboration in this really is the key. That is a spot on story to just explain it all. <laughs> I still had all the answers, but I don't. <laughs> um, so lastly, um, if we want to end with Fabiana, do you have anything you would like to add or just some closing thoughts about this course so far? I think that um, Stacy perfectly illustrated that courses like these are not the type of course where you just... Um, listen to some interesting information and that's it. The courses like these have very direct 
um, applications and implications for practice and directly uh, can affect uh, children's education, their families and the schools where we serve. So that makes it very um, unique. To learn more about this course and BLVS at Salus, you can visit salus.edu slash BLVS.